0: Just a reminder that the Dear Prudence podcast happens twice a week. Slate Plus members get an additional mini-episode every Friday. Sign up now to listen at slate.com slash prudipod.
1: Dear Prudence.
0: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear, Prudence. Dear, Prudence. Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the show once again. And as always, I am your host Danny M Lavery. With me in the studio this week is Sarah Jones, a Tony and Obie award-winning performer and writer, known for her multi-character one-person shows including her current critically acclaimed show Sell By Date. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Danny. Thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to it. I've been I don't want to say promised because you never know what's going to happen. But let's say that I I have been I've had my interest piqued in the possibility that a character may at some point want to lend their opinion to yours and mine as we attempt to advise people.
1: Well, I think what the my job will be to hold back the entire menagerie because uh, I multiple people would love to weigh in, but let's just see what happens.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited for our first letter. It, it feels like one of the most strongly drawn characters uh, that I've had in a little while. Like it just comes right out of the gate with, here's what I'm about. And I think that's really useful. So <laughs> would you mind reading that letter for us?
1: Happily, sort of happily, but definitely with piqued interest as well. Subject, not so nice day for a wedding. Dear Prudence, my stepson is engaged to a little diva. Despite both of them being college graduates with jobs and three other sets of parents involved, I was the one expected to whip out the checkbook. I initially planned to cover the rehearsal dinner and help with hotel costs, but when the bride's dream budget didn't materialize out of thin air, she threw a fit. My wife kept trying to placate her son and his bride-to-be and begged me to be more generous. I wrote them a check for over $40,000. I made it clear that this was it. There would be no wedding gift or free house or whatever other expense they dreamed up. I care for my stepson, but his fiance cares more about her big day than him from what I've seen. The wedding was supposed to be in March. While the venue is safe for next year, the couple did not get insurance and has lost thousands of dollars. They expected me to pay more. I told them no, and the subject was closed. My stepson had the good grace to be embarrassed, but his fiancé plowed on, arguing about what I owed them. I lost my temper and told her to be quiet, and if she needed money, she should go out and get a job delivering pizza or let her parents pay. Now, the fiancé refuses to let my stepson speak to his mother or me because of how abusive I was to her. My wife is distraught. My stepdaughter is disgusted and calls her brother spineless. At this point, I don't care anymore. My stepson is a grown man, and if he wants to marry this girl, may God have mercy on his soul. I am not paying a penny more. I just want peace. How do I get
0: that? So I'll actually start by acknowledging something that I meant to acknowledge at the top of the show, which is that it's incredibly windy right now in Brooklyn, and there's a little hole in one of our windows right now. So if you hear like wind that kind of makes it sound like I'm taking a walk on the moors outside of Wuthering Heights that's what that is, and I apologize. I can't really fix it yet. But that's neither here nor there because we have to try to help this person sort through a lot. Um, I, I think one of the things that struck me about this letter is the the sort of um, careful building of a narrative that was supposed to kind of end in like, I was right to finally blow up, Right. Look at all the things that I didn't say anything about such that, of course, I had no choice but to scream and say really, uh, you know, out of pocket things. Um, And I I wish this person had um, considered writing in uh, uh, when they were, quote, expected to whip out the checkbook. Because, you know, what's great about expectations and being an adult is you can say things like, no, that is correct. I've, I love the expression, expectations
1: are a breeding ground for resentment.
0: Yeah. You know, that, that that whole line of like, they're college graduates, they have jobs, there's a ton of parents involved, but I was expected to whip out the checkbook, so she threw a fit. And and when somebody throws a fit, what can you do but give them what they want? Like, you, there are other things that you can do when people throw fits. Like, your choice in that moment was, I want to stop the fit from happening rather than engage with this difficult person. And... um I I hope that you can see where you set yourself up for failure and it's not because your future daughter-in-law is unreasonable and it's not because nobody else in the family was helping you out. It's because you sacrificed uh, your future (laughs) happiness for momentary expediency and um, because you failed to do the right thing in those moments does not then mean it's okay for you to say, you know. Everybody uh, is a jerk and an idiot except for me. Go deliver pizza. I hate you.
1: Yeah, and I. One thing that occurred to me is the first line: "A little diva." I right. didn't want to automatically assume genders here, but this person didn't call, you know, their stepdaughter to be a jerk. They specifically right. gendered, or you know, were kind of going for that energy. And the whole way through, I I kept feeling this sense of hmm, somebody. Somebody's trying to
0: mansplain what a good person they are. Well, and I think that's such a good point too because it's not even just like my stepson who's the person the letter writer has the relationship with. Like my stepson is avoidant or puts me in the middle between himself and his fiance. It's my stepson, whatever, has no qualities of any kind. It's the fiance that's the diva. Do you know what I mean? Like he's as much a part of the relationship as she is. He's as much a part of the problem as she is, even if he's not um, the more vocal person. So I thought it was very interesting that the problem was her and not the guy who's clearly like supporting her choices, right? Exactly. It. it I was thinking it takes two to diva, right?
1: That's always lobbed at women, <laughs> Um, and, you know, we're kind of told we're unreasonable or how dare we demand. And meanwhile, like you said, I don't, it doesn't sound like she's a gun-toting diva who held one to his head at any point. And it sounds like maybe he enjoyed the ego boost of whipping out his, you know, 40,000 bucks for everybody.
0: Right. Look at how reasonable and rich I am.
1: Exactly. The, the, those two are Yeah.
0: yeah. He's, and that he's, whole <laughs> that whole line of like, I made it clear that this would be it. I'm not getting you a free house. Like... I really laid down the law then. And it's just like, man, you didn't have to give them $40,000. And again, I'm sure she made some unreasonable demands and I'm sure she was rude. Like, I'm not at all trying to suggest that your stepson and his fiance have behaved well. I just find it totally baffling that you act as if like, well, my wife's so weak-willed and this woman's such a diva, so what could I do but write a $40,000 check? Like, yeah he could have not written that check, man. Kind of could have not written
1: that check. He kind of did have some agency there, my friend. I think really when he, by the time, I'm assuming this is he, by the time we get to the end and he says, I don't care anymore, I kind of thought that it's evident that that's not true. There's There's a lot of, feeling here, lots of emotion that sounds to me, uh, another one of my favorite expressions, if it's hysterical, it's historical. I'm guessing this person may have gone through life shaming and blaming other people and not seeing his own part in stuff. And so I would say if he wants peace, he probably needs a big mirror and maybe some therapy.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think part of this guy's problem is that he wants peace at any cost. And previously, he's been able to get that peace by throwing his money around And now that he's no longer willing to use his money in that way, um, he's faced with the reality of like, sometimes you just have to have conflict with people. And even if they behave unreasonably, it doesn't give you license to blow up. Or if you blow up, they will then get mad at you and you have to deal with the fact that people are mad at you. So I think part of what you're experiencing, letter writer, is the limit to what money can buy you. Mm. Um, So, you know, in terms of like, do I think it was reasonable for you to say, I'm not going to give you more than $40,000 towards your wedding? Yeah, absolutely. I do. You and I are in total agreement there. And um, if your stepson is no longer talking to you uh, because his wife or his wife to be won't let him, you know, I think you can say instead my stepson is choosing not to talk to us. Like, again, you really want to blame her. Like she's got him locked in a tower and she's holding the key. But like, he know, he could get away from her and call you if he wanted to. He's choosing not to talk to you. Let him have autonomy in the same way that you assign it to her. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't have a lot beyond that. I don't insult these people anymore. Don't yell at them anymore. Um, but also, you are totally within the right to not give them more money,
1: yeah, and I think I wanted to add to that that the anger again, it does feel like maybe there's some anger. I'll just say for myself when I hand my power over, you know, I do end up pissed off and resentful. And the truth is a lot of that anger kind of belongs to me for what I did to myself. I made a choice that then resulted in a situation that I don't like. And so while the other person has their part to play, looking at my part is probably the key to any piece if there's to be some.
0: Yeah. You know, I I think, part of what this person is running into is the fact that like their strategy of obtaining peace actually had a lot to do with either giving in to people when they didn't really want to because they think it's not worth arguing about or trying to buy everybody off. You are now experiencing the fact that that doesn't actually result in a lot of peace. Um, and and so part of the question is not just like, what do I do? Cause like nothing, you don't, have to give them more money. I wouldn't give them more money in your position. You didn't say anything so over the line that I think you'd have to call her and apologize. But I think you're also just coming to terms with the fact that like you have a son who makes decisions that you don't really respect. And his fiance is lashing out when she doesn't get what she wants. And you either know how to placate her or ignore and dismiss her, but you don't know how to interact with her other Mm. than that. And that's a challenge and you're going to, again, have to figure out how to do that in a way that doesn't in- involve either money or avoidance. And a lot of times that just looks like saying something like, this is not a reasonable request. I hope you can let this go. If and when you can, I'll be here. Give me a call. That's great. And good luck. There's a lot There's a lot to sort through here, but I, I realize we've already gone a bit over and you know me, I'm always hoping I'll, I'll hit that six minute limit perfectly. <music> would you read our next letter?
1: I will. Subject, relationship meddlers. Dear Prudence, I have been isolating in a different state from my boyfriend for almost three weeks now. He is isolating with three people, all of whom have expressed interest in him. I know all three of them very well and would consider them good friends. One of them has tried to forcibly kiss my boyfriend in front of me before, and they all keep bringing up their sexual interest in him, asking him to do activities and then flirting for hours, acting like it's his obligation to fulfill their current needs. I trust my boyfriend, though I do think he enjoys the attention, but it's extremely difficult to be far away and know that he's holed up with three people who are continually trying to tempt him. I know that the best I can do is communicate, be my best self in my relationship, and not let the three meddlers bother me. Do you think it would be unfair if I stopped being friends with them? I know that quarantine is hard for everyone, but I just can't see any excuse for repeatedly asking him about his sexual behavior, knocking on his door drunk at 1 a.m., and suggesting that I'm a bad girlfriend for being too far away to satisfy his sexual needs during this time period. It's a global pandemic. I want nothing more than to be near him. I'm so bitter. I'm already working really hard to practice patience, strength, and courage. Should I add forgiveness to that list? So I have a thought about this. I, first of all, want to honor the letter writer's desire to take the high ground. I can really feel that. And, you know, the question, should I add forgiveness to this list of, you know, practicing patience and strength and courage? Um, I'm sure it's really difficult, as the person states, to be, um, you know, separated in this quarantine while knowing that, I guess the image that I have is of these sirens, you know, calling to this other person, but ultimately the other person and uh, their desires and their kind of love needs aren't under anyone's control, but theirs. And Mm. so I see the sentence, I trust my boyfriend Um, enjoying the attention sounds very human Um, But if there isn't a concern that this flirtation is going to turn into something that would really be problematic for the relationship, it sounds like it's something that's sort of outside the letter writer's control. I will say this. I don't quite understand what the friendship is with the three um, interested parties. And it doesn't sound like they have an open relationship. So that doesn't sound like friendship to me. Those don't sound like people who I count as like, hey, girl, hey let's hang out, Uh, I want to share my intimate life with you, you're an amazing person, you support me, I love you. It kind of sounds like a competitive shit (laughs) (laughs) NATO.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it, it definitely sounds like, again, there's a number of ways in which I can read some of these interactions that kind of range from like maximally uh, shit-stirring, provocative, uh, trying to cross boundaries on purpose, trying to get a rise out of the letter writer to just kind of like self-centered or flirty. So I, I don't want to try to make a lot of rulings about the the various things that they have done or how they might view the friendship. But like, you know, I think that when you say the best you can do is communicate, I right with you, be my best self in the relationship, absolutely. Not let the three meddlers bother me. No, I don't agree with that one at all. That That to me reads like Obviously, my job here is to not mind stuff, and it's my problem if other people bother me. I need to keep it to myself, especially if I can't fix the problem. Um, so, so that one, I would just say, throw that one out the window. That doesn't mean I think you should call these people up and say, like, you're evil, you know, skanks trying to hook up with my boyfriend in your skank house. Um, but you're absolutely allowed to be hurt or bothered by the fact that other people, either intentionally or thoughtlessly, are are trying to. Um, Violate like, the boundaries of your relationship to your boyfriend. You are allowed to be hurt and angry about that a hundred percent. And so the good news is you would be allowed to not be friends with people even if it were unfair. You are allowed to unfairly say, "I don't like you anymore. We're not friends. you know? I mean, hopefully you would say it more nicely than that or not say it at all. But you are allowed to decide to stop being friends with anyone you want. And your reasons don't have to be fair in order for you to make that decision.
1: I totally agree. And I think it's interesting that, the relationship, you know, hopefully it will endure this <laughs> really bizarre situation. And I, I don't yeah. mean to make light of the letter writer's predicament. It's, it's just sounds like a Netflix show. I mean, I feel, yeah. I really feel for this person. And I guess one thought I'm having is: is there a way to? I mean, Zoom is not the same, and you know, kind of whatever video conferencing platforms aren't the same as you know, in-person connection, but is there a way to kind of be together on this as a couple? Is there a way to say, hey, I'd really love to connect with you about what's going on so that it doesn't feel like this triangulated weirdness with the three, you know, threats and your boyfriend and you? And I'm not saying it'll be you and him against the world, but maybe it would feel less threatening and, you know, kind of just awful if you felt like he got where you are and maybe could be helpful in that way.
0: I I couldn't agree with you more. And I think there's um, the key there is I trust my boyfriend, but I think he enjoys the attention, which just means to me um, that you two haven't really sat down and talked about how you have experienced all of these interactions. Like I read a line, like one of them tried to forcibly kiss my boyfriend in front of me before. And I'm like, did they grab him? Was he afraid? Was he uncomfortable? Was it playful? Was the forcible something that you kind of felt you experienced like they were trying to do it sort of at you to get a rise out of you? Or was it like they freaked him out physically? Like, I, I think this is a time to talk to your boyfriend and find out, like, does he like when they knock on his door? Is he like, oh, good. Everyone's like a little wasted and we're all going to talk and hang out. Um you know, does he feel uncomfortable with this attention sometimes? Does he like it all the time? Is he kind of interested in them? I'm not saying you can have this conversation because he's going to give you good answers that make you happy. I just mean it will make a big difference if he says something like, yeah, I often feel weird about it, but I don't know how to respond. Or if he says, no, I really like it, and actually this quarantine is really hard on me, and I'm thinking about hooking up with some of them. Like any answer I can imagine being possible, and I think mostly it's just good to know and figure out what you want to do in light of how you both feel about the situation. And then on top of that, I think you can also share with him, like, you know, one of your roommates told me I was a bad girlfriend because I'm too far away to fuck you, and that really hurt, and I would like you to be hurt on my behalf, and I would like you to, you know, potentially say something or simply just affirm and acknowledge that I have a right to be hurt about that, like... To try to, I think, separate like asking him questions about these dynamics and see what he thinks about them. And then also to say, like these are things these people have said and done to me that have made me feel pushed aside, slighted, ignored, like they're trying to push me away, and that's hurtful. Um, and, and hopefully he will be able to hear and receive that and care about the fact that they have hurt you in their quest to flirt with him. So I you know, I can't promise you that this conversation is going to mean you two are on the same page and he never ever flirts back with anyone, but it, all of this stuff, it's better to know where he's at, even if you, that knowledge ultimately led you to say like, we're going to break up or we're going to have like a what happens in quarantine stays in quarantine conversation and I'm never going to ask about it or whatever kind of solution would work for the two of you. I think it has to start with a conversation with your boyfriend and absolutely you don't have to be friends with these people. Totally
1: agree. Unfriend. IRL
0: yeah that's rough and I think it will probably be rough even when quarantine orders lift if he's like no these are three of my closest friends and you're like I can't stand them and I don't trust them that's going to be a big issue for your relationship so just I I guess I just say that because your question is like should I just forgive them and forget about it like I don't think this is going to go away I don't think you can force yourself to forgive something that's ongoing Um, and so I think the best thing to do is just deal with it head on now
1: Totally agree. Good thing you've been, the letter writer's been practicing patience, strength, and
0: courage. Anyways, we're going to move on to a very different type of question. And I'm very excited that I get to read this one because, oh boy, do I have thoughts about it. Subject: brother-in-law's new boyfriend. Dear Prudence, my wife and I have been happily married for 10 years. Her brother is 14 years younger than her, so he grew up with me in his life, and we've always gotten along. Recently, he started dating a new man. I have only seen his new boyfriend in social media pictures and have not met him yet due to the pandemic. The problem is that my brother-in-law's new boyfriend looks exactly like me. The resemblance is uncanny. Multiple family members have commented on it, and it is becoming apparent to all of us that my brother-in-law may have unresolved feelings for me. I wouldn't feel uncomfortable if my brother-in-law had brought this up privately with me, but constantly posting pictures of himself being affectionate with my doppelganger is causing jaws to drop. It is not my place to confront my brother-in-law about this. But what should I say when I finally meet my brother-in-law's boyfriend and somebody inevitably points out the obvious resemblance? I think we are all going to be humiliated and it may doom their relationship.
1: Yeah, I think this person should come out here to Hollywood and write TV with me.
0: Yeah, Sarah, tell me if you share the letter writer's (laughs) assumptions here. Do Do you agree that this definitely means that the uh, little brother has been secretly in love with this guy his whole life and this is how he's choosing to share that information with him?
1: I don't mean to poke fun at the letter writer. I can imagine that this w- was shocking and strange. I do think that we're we're leaping just a little bit to oh, the just conclusion, a little bit? just a smidge, to the conclusion yeah. that this has been a smoldering, <laughs> passionate, you know, I here's, I mean, I'm not, I have no idea what the the backstory for this person is, the letter writer. I do think that um, predicting, you know, predicting this wreckage of everyone's future, we're all going to be humiliated and it's going to doom their relationship and everybody sees it. And I just think, "Mm, this doesn't sound like, this sounds like this person is weaving a narrative in their head. Um, Yeah. that's my first thought is maybe you guys maybe you get to enjoy being able to open each other's iPhone <laughs> with your f- face recognition and leave it at that like let them enjoy their relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean let's leave aside the like you know in in North American society a lot of men look alike. I don't know how <laughs> else to put that but you know what I mean like there's there's less variance in dress. They more rarely wear makeup. There's only a handful of like popular male hairstyles like a lot of men look alike a lot of cis men look alike and it's kind of fine but like I think perhaps your look might not be as unique as you seem to think it is like how could someone be like me a peacock and it's like I bet a lot of men look like you man Maybe he could in, maybe he could <laughs> invest in like a, a make under, a make over. Maybe it's yeah. time for
1: him to get a new look.
0: Yeah. Like get a new shirt. But like, I'm willing to bet that if I like popped my head into like a certain type of barber shop or a certain type of like menswear boutique and I called out like Kevin, I'd scare up a couple of guys who looked a little bit like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You know, you don't have to feel bad about it. You're still a unique soul living on the face of the earth. But like, I, I think, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like, He's not actually your twin, I'm sure too. Like, <laughs> since you've only seen pictures of him on social media, like you haven't yet heard his voice or, like gotten to know the many ways in which he just isn't you. So I-, I think this leap to he looks a lot like me. So he must be a lot like me. There must be, you know, we must make the same facial expressions. We must sound the same. We must speak and move the same. It must just be like a replication of the experience of hanging out with me. I think you're going too far. I, I will say this, Sarah, like in addition to finding this like kind of laughably self-obsessed, I, I did feel an undercurrent of sort of like group homophobia in the way that Me too. Everyone- I was
1: just going to say that. I, I hope it's not there, but I wonder if, you know his sister-in-law's new boyfriend looked exactly like him if it wouldn't be more of a, you know, a point of pride or a, hey, maybe she's,
0: you know, like a joke. Or, Or that they might not have been quite so inclined to see it. Like my read there is not that anyone is consciously thinking like, oh, I hate gays. But I think this kind of desire as a family to get together and cluck over the inappropriateness of him dating a guy who kind of looks like one of his relatives and like it must mean that he really wanted you you know those weird gays they just fixate on straight men and they can't help themselves and then they do weird creepy things like dating other guys with similar haircuts and oh my god what's and being to be done
1: They're affectionate with each other.
0: It genuinely felt like a collectively homophobic response from this family. And again, I'm sure they would all be probably quite offended and say, like, how dare you? I've never been homophobic in my life. But I I really do just think it's, it's that simple. So to this letter writer, I would say, get over yourself. Calm the fuck down. You're kind of being homophobic. Leave it alone. You know, he probably knows you both have the same color eyes and a bunch of plaid shirts or whatever the resemblance is it's not you. It's not your twin brother. Let it go. If you ever meet him in person, be nice and be friendly and don't be fucking creepy.
1: Yeah. Maybe don't make their relationship about you.
0: Yeah. And this whole like, I think we're all going to be humiliated. It's going to doom their relationship. It's just really weird. It is. Yeah. It just feels very much like that kind of classic straight guy like, you know, oh, I'm cool with gay guys, but like scratch the surface. And he's just going to be like, I'm worried they're all secretly in love with me and everything they do is secretly about me and my hot, covetable straightness that they'll never have. But they've always wanted and look at how it warps their pitiable desires. And I just really, am. I I do not like this letter writer. I do not wish him well. I hope he has a bad day and I hope his next haircut looks bad on him. (laughs) I'm going to leave it there. Sometimes I need to just be able to, like, acknowledge my bias of just, like, I'm not going to be able to help this guy anymore. We need to move on. Would you read our next letter? Hopefully I can be more charitable towards them.
1: I will. Subject. On the bright side, my inbox isn't overflowing. Dear Prudence, when the virus started taking over, I saw stories all over the internet of everyone getting in touch with all of their loved ones and reconnecting with old friends in a panicked flurry. I live far from my hometown and don't use social media anymore, So there are plenty of people with whom I could reconnect. I contacted a few people, but then got swept up in figuring out all of the logistics of my new lockdown life. Now that I've settled into a routine, I've realized that I haven't heard from anyone who I wasn't already in regular contact with. All of those headlines about reconnecting with all of your long lost friends were just exaggerations, right? I'm not exactly sad, but I kind of feel as though I missed a party.
0: Hmm. This is really sweet. Um at the risk of making myself sound a little bit like a loser, I haven't heard from anyone I didn't already know. Yeah, I actually
1: I like that you think it was sweet. I did not connect maybe because I I haven't connected with anyone. I didn't I didn't connect with the letter writer's perspective on this maybe because I also haven't, you know, kind of dug anybody up out of the woodwork or had others do that with me. And my other thought was social media is the place where that is happening, pretty much. So if you're not on there and you want this, maybe it's time to get on there. And if you, Uh, I I mean, I'm, you know, I think social media can be an incredible miracle in people's lives. And it can be a scourge that puts you a foot in the grave. But if you want that kind of, you know... Connection and uh, kind of rekindling all over the place. I promise you, if you sign up on Facebook, they will help you with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They'll they'll do a couple of other things too. But they'll do yeah, that too. I, I think that's pretty much it. Like, um, I think maybe the question to ask yourself is like, if I'm not exactly sad, I just kind of feel vaguely like I missed out, is this maybe something I can let go? Or do you think like oh, like Charlie from college, I I actually wonder how he's doing. I'd like to get in touch with him. Like if a couple of specific names crop up and you think, oh, I would probably enjoy like hearing from them a couple of times a year, by all means, reach out and get in touch. But no, there's no universal experience of like the day, you know, shelter in place orders were announced. Everyone started calling everyone they ever knew. All feuds were dissolved, all old, <laughs> you know, remonstrations forgotten. Everybody is just like now having like lovely long chats with everyone they've ever known. That's I. I don't think that's happening to most people.
1: I totally agree with that. And not to go too far with this, but it's interesting when I have felt sad during this pandemic. And I know the letter writer said they're not exactly sad, but you know, feeling a little FOMO. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets rid of FOMO like getting out of your own kind of maybe pity party about it. And not only not only thinking like I'd love to you know be in touch with Charlie but are there people you could actually help i've I've, sure. I've been amazed how much you know i get over feeling like i missed out if i actually think about somebody else's well-being in the midst of like you know a global catastrophe And reach out to them and actually help them. So maybe that'll... Yeah,
0: Yeah. make a donation to a local food bank. A lot of them are really slammed right now. If you live in an area with uh, mutual aid organizations, reach out, see if they need any help coordinating volunteers. Lots of stuff that you could potentially do that don't necessarily involve leaving your house if you're not able to do so. And even if it's only an hour or two a week, I think it will go a long way towards making you feel connected, useful, and energized. Love that. Yeah. All right. That was, it's nice. I think we're kind of closing with a couple of like easier or at least more straightforward ones, which is nice. It always feels uplifting to kind of end on a sense of like, do this, do this, do this, goodbye.
1: (laughs) Here's your manual.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The subject of this next letter is still a girlfriend. This is like the, sorry, I shouldn't do too many prefaces, but this is just like the classic, like the problem of heterosexuality. And I always feel a little (laughs) guilty when I get that because I'm like, I think the answer here is some version of heterosexuality doesn't really work. (laughs) good luck so dear prudence i've been with my boyfriend for a decade we're both in our 30s we've lived together for eight years and own a home together we're very serious and committed my grandmother died about six months ago leaving me with a family ring i gave it to my boyfriend and we explicitly discussed that it was time past time to move things to the next level he even got it resized six months later and here we are I've brought it up to him twice since then, and he keeps telling me he wants the moment to be special. Prudy, I don't care about the dramatics. I'm just sick of not being engaged. I don't want to pressure him, but I'm getting tired of this. Do I have any choices besides being patient or giving an ultimatum?
1: I agree so much that this is just like, <laughs> this is just heteronormativity, like run
0: amok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, I don't say that to be like, obviously, like, it's your fault for for getting caught in the heterosexual trap letter writer. I, I don't. I, I genuinely mean like, it sucks that this is a norm such that a person you've been able to live with companionably for eight years to make a decision about buying property together, uh, all of a sudden you feel as though uh, all you can do is remain in stasis until he hands you a ring. Um, and like all you're allowed to do is hint and hint and pressure, or then like flounce away angrily. But but at no point is there a, a way in which you can say, "Here's what I want. Here's what I'm willing to be ardent about. Here's what I desire. Here's what I avow. This is what I want. I want to take it." Like I love that.
1: I, I love that perspective. And as someone who is formerly married myself, and I'm straight but not narrow, uh, I believed in the you know, kind of idea of marriage for its own sake until I realized I hadn't really asked myself the question, why do I want to be married? Like, Mm -hmm. what is it that's important to me about the piece of paper, about the institution? Um, At the time when I got married, my queer friends and relatives couldn't. And I really got to kind of ask myself, you know, the deepest questions of all, which are what is love and how am I kind of framing it um, in ways that, maybe our like i like like you said this is something that's not broken unless it really is broken and if it is then it's time to you know get really honest with for the letter writer to get really clear with herself but i think it is a shame that i just sort of inherited like a you know really shitty heirloom this idea that there's a ladder i have to climb and marriage is one of the rungs i never even really was invited to ask myself what i wanted
0: right Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's always room for the literator to kind of ask herself, like, what's important to me about marriage? What excites me about this? Um, just can have a sense of it. I'm not suggesting like, oh, you probably haven't thought about it and you'll realize you actually don't care. I, I just mean, because that's useful work for you to get to clarify your own desires. And then, my God, you know, it's not pressuring to talk to your partner about what you want. Let's leave that idea out entirely, that whole like stereotype that a woman who wants to get married and is excited about the act of getting engaged is somehow putting pressure on like a cool devil-may-care guy. Like, let's just let that idea die. You want what you want. Um, you want commitment. You want an acknowledgement of the commitments you've already made to one another. You don't want to pretend to be relaxed or like you're just getting to know the man you've lived with for eight years. All of that is well and good and nothing to be ashamed of. Um So the thing here to just say is like, you know what I want. Um, You know that I want to be be engaged. You know that I want to use this ring. You know that I want you to ask me to marry you. I don't really know what you want. I, I know that you don't want to talk about it. And I know that you want to put off this conversation. You've made some vague noises about wanting it to be special. But I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that means for you all I know is that your words and your actions aren't lined up. So all that that means I can do is guess. Um, And guessing makes me feel frustrated, alienated, isolated, and powerless. That's not what I want out of our relationship. So like, I'm putting my cards on the table. I want to be engaged. Frankly, I'd like to be engaged today, but I want to be engaged to someone who's excited about it. And if you don't like it, If you don't want to get married, if the idea of marriage bores or upsets you or troubles you or if there's something going on in our relationship specifically that worries you, I would so much rather know that now so that we could deal with it, even if it was painful, um, than have to guess. The guessing makes me feel lonely. Um, Can you tell me what you're thinking? And I I sure hope that would be an appeal he would listen to. That's uh, something that I would want to listen to, I think, if my partner came to me with that. But that's kind of my best advice.
1: I think that's such a great way to frame it, and I—it's <laughs> the subject of a thousand rom coms. But not only do you want to be engaged, it sounds like you want to be married. And having witnessed a lot of you know relationships where the engagement happens and then that's another ten years, you know, again, this level of transparency and having a really clear heart to heart with this person in your life—I don't know—it—it's it, fascinating to me to think about how. The other person, you know, your fia- your n- not yet fiance um, yeah. may have their own reasons for hesitating, for not wanting to talk about it, for maybe even being willing to be engaged. But for marriage being scary, it just sounds like an opportunity to get to know each other
0: better. Yeah. And I think the best things that you can do when you head into that conversation are one, not to be ashamed of your own desires. And so not to try to apologize for them or minimize them or downplay them in order to please him. Um, and then on the other is, you know, whatever honest answer he's able to give you to um, to remind yourself that, like, that's what you want. So even if the answer you hear is painful, that he's doing the work, which is being honest with you and that he hopefully can do that. I think the last thing that I would say there is, like, it may very well be that his answer is, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And if he's vague and defensive and and sort of tries to avoid the conversation by suggesting that you're just being you know pick your sexist word like dramatic or making a big deal out of nothing or whatever i think some of the information that you have there is that this guy's not willing to participate in this internal emotional significant high stakes conversation with you and that instead of taking it seriously and speaking honestly even at the risk of possibly naming different things that you want um he's attempting to minimize and diminish this obviously important conversation i think that Um, I guess what I would say is just don't feel like you can't take vagueness and defensiveness as a clear answer because I think you can. And again, that doesn't mean you have to say like, then fuck you, I'm leaving. But it might be like, okay, I love you. I don't want to leave. I really don't want to be engaged in a way where you make it clear you think it's stupid and you're only doing it to get me off your back. So, you know, this hurts me and I'm sad, but then let's stop talking about it. Let's put it away for a while but you know, good luck. I'm sorry. This is one of the reasons that heterosexuality often seems like a real bummer. So I just, I'm sorry that you're having to go through it. Oh, okay. So last one, this one's yours to read. This one is again, sad, but I think straightforward.
1: Seems pretty straightforward to me. My goodness. Uh, Subject, losing respect for my partner. Dear Prudence, Working from home has many ups and downs, but the strangest thing I've experienced so far is listening to my husband work on the phone. The first time it happened, I assumed he was having a bad day, but after hearing him on multiple calls every day, I realized he's kind of a monster to work with. He talks down to everyone. He's sarcastic and rude. He tells people their questions aren't logical or relevant. He poses hypothetical scenarios just to make others feel dumb. It makes me uncomfortable. Even though he doesn't talk to me like that, everything I hear is rapidly making me lose respect for him. Men have talked down to me like that at work because as a young woman, they assume that I have nothing to contribute. I brought it up to him and he says, I don't understand the people he's dealing with. Is this a worrying insight into his character that I need to, you know, worry about? Or should I let it go? I
0: mean, (laughs) do you think this letter writer should let it go?
1: I think this letter writer uh, just discovered who she's married to. And yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, it's time to start asking some difficult questions of herself, first and foremost. Um, One suggestion I have is, you know, I can really wear rose-colored glasses on, uh, you know, around uh, my relationships with people and how they communicate. And I'm guessing if she really searches her heart and mind, maybe does some journaling, or maybe even asks the people who witnessed their relationship, the people around her who she trusts, there's got to be some evidence of this same, I don't, he's a dick. (laughs) So um, that's that's the technical term. Um, I think that she could probably find evidence that he hasn't been, you know, totally, either totally honest with her or hasn't been this prince with her either. And maybe he has also belittled her at times or, you know, dealt with her in ways that, aren't, um, you know, part of a relationship she wants to be in. That's my guess. It's very, very difficult to be this Jekyll and Hyde, I find. And, you know, I sometimes cosign other people's behavior with like, oh, I'll minimize what they do until I see how they do it to others. And then I'll realize, oh, there is a little bit of this with with us as well. Just uh, wondering if some self exploration would be helpful to her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that could be useful, but I do just want to like throw in a a plug for, I, I do not infrequently hear from people who are like, I recently learned that my partner had a total double life that I had no idea about. So mm. I, I think it's useful to look back and see if you can find other examples, but n- don't feel like you have to, if nothing comes up that you are somehow at fault. Cause like, it's also really possible that your partner is a super, um, compartmentalized person and did a really good job of hiding this from you. And, um, I I guess basically think of it as an interesting thought exercise that might give you useful information, not a reason to blame yourself for not picking up on it sooner.
1: Oh, Not that I think that's what you were saying.
0: I just want to make sure that the letter writer doesn't go to self-recrimination immediately.
1: Yes, no, not at all. And I would also say not only don't self-recriminate, but also know that you have enough evidence Right here and now, if you know that your values and who you are are not aligned with being married to someone who treats other human beings that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's making you lose respect for him. Should you let it go? Like, you, I think you know, you can't let it go, right? Like, on some level, you must realize this is not just something that you can compartmentalize or forget about, even if you went back to the office tomorrow and you never had to hear him at work again. Like, this is a huge part of his day. This does not fall into the category of like kind of ordinary going along to get along at work or, or that, you know, might fall under the umbrella of like we all have to say stuff sometimes like circle back in an office setting or like you have to be polite to customers that you would rather be direct with because you don't want to get fired. But this is not that. This is absolutely not that.
1: Yeah. No. Can't unring that bell. Yeah. You can't, can't unhear this.
0: This isn't yeah. something he's doing as a goof. Uh, It's not something he's doing by accident. His job does not require him to be a jerk to people in this way. Um, This is totally real information about his character. You should be worried. You should be upset. The fact that you brought it up to him and he was like, oh, you've just never met these people. They really do need to be condescended to is like, yeah, this is absolutely a huge insight into his character. And it is coming at a very inconvenient time. And that's a shame, but absolutely take it seriously. Please, you cannot unzoom that zoom. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's awful, though, right? Like you think, like awful. Yeah, I've got like a great partner, and you might have gone your whole life without ever knowing, and then you're like, "Oh no, he's an asshole." Uh,
1: That double life thing. I I didn't. I guess I I'm I will count myself lucky that um you know I could easily be one of your letter writers (laughs) on many subjects, but I guess I don't have any people in my life uh, with double lives as far as I know. People are pretty transparent, so I haven't seen that except on my television in a while.
0: You know, I I hope we've been able to make a couple of difficult situations slightly less difficult. I think that one of that guy who's just convinced that his nephew-in-law having a boyfriend with the same hairstyle as him means that the guy has been in love with him for 14 years is going to stick with me for a while. I'm just yeah. floored.
1: Yeah, that. that's... <laughs> I, I I hope this doesn't come off wrong and I don't know the geography of everybody, but somehow I'm picturing that guy in a barber chair somewhere that's open too soon and <laughs>
0: I'm just kind of imagining where it goes from there. I'm picturing, you know, the kind of famous picture that's on Twitter all the time of like a bunch of white guys at a baseball game and they're all sort of like leaning out one a little further than the other and they just sort of all start to look like the same face. Pretty much. I, I'm picturing like one, one of those guys being like, and he looks just like me. And it's like, <laughs> man, everyone looks just like you. You look like most people.
1: Oh, secretly harboring <laughs> deep yeah, love I've, for me.
0: Obviously. My goodness.
1: Uh, if only we all had the confidence of a, of a, a cis white guy. Assume. Yeah,
0: I, I think that would often result in a lot of really bad outcomes, unfortunately.
1: True. Maybe um, we're all safer because the rest of us.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that that level of confidence is necessarily one that needs to be um, emulated or sought after. But Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You you have been such a delight and I'm so, so glad that you made the time for us.
1: It was such a treat. I think we're flattening the curve, you know, kind of morally and spiritually <laughs> and <laughs> romantically. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. You don't have to use your real name or location, and we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. I think you need to be allowed to say I'm doing this because it feels really good and I really want to do it because I think being dishonest with ourselves about our motivations make it harder to be honest about other things and I don't think you need to think well if I'm doing this because it feels good and I want to then I'm an evil hedonist but if I'm doing it because I'm secretly suffering and in need of healing that only his like sexting can provide then I'm basically just like a martyr who's doing what has to be done to listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash Pod.